All righty. Praise God. Thank you very much, worship team. You may be seated. Kids, we've got a kid's presentation, looks like here. So, give that to Miss. All right, church. Um, as you know, October is Pastor Appreciation Month. And so, in honor of that and all the hard work and love and effort and dedication that our pastors uh, put into uh, running this, we're just um, letting the kids say thank you. They all made him cards. And if each of you could just pass those to Pastor Ralph right now. All righty. We also, Pastor, we made you, we'll let you read those later. But Well, let me. <laughs> That's for Miss Nancy. Okay, I'll make sure she gets okay. that. Um, we also made you a sculpture in children's ministry. Um, well, so wonderful. That you can look at that, put it on your desk look or wherever at that. you want. This is a cactus. It's a cactus, and, and kids, I don't have to water it. You don't have to water it. Don't drop it on your feet, though. Oh, wow, yeah. It's made of lots of rocks. Lots of rocks. Well, thank you. I will remember all of you this week Each as I look at this. Made, uh, painted one of those rocks and put in a lot of love. So um, I hope that you feel loved as you look at that. Wonderful. I do. Thank you very much. Thank you. I will make sure she gets the love this week. Thank you. Pastor Nancy is out in, you want to put that down there for me, brother? Thank you. Uh, she's out in South Dakota this week. Um, so we had a, uh, we've got a friend out there, many of you have been praying for. Um, uh, about a month ago, she was diagnosed with uh, cancer throughout her body. And so uh, they're out there spending some time with her, and I'm going out in a few weeks to see her as well. But uh, just keep them in prayer. They drove out there on uh, um, Thursday night, so they'll be back this coming Friday. Um, praise God. Um, how's your week gone? You had a good week? Um, over the last month, I've been dealing with the sermon series, Keys to the Kingdom of God. And we have been walking through this process of availing ourselves to the things that God has made available to us because we are a follower of God. So, um, Levi, can you tell me something that is available to you because you are the son of Joseph Paddock? Something that you know that you can get, have access to just because you're his son. You can't think of anything that you have access to. Do you have access to food? Yes. A warm bed? What's that? Ice cream? Oh, yeah. See, look at that. Sometimes, just like Levi was a perfect example for us, sometimes we have to be reminded of the things we have access to. Do you realize you have access to things because you are a child of God? Things that He wants you to enjoy? Um, we talked about three different things that will bring about the, help us to experience the kingdom of God in our world today. 
And so the first one was through what? Worship, that's right. So if we want to experience the kingdom of God in our life, we need to be, we need to be willing to worship in the good, bad, and the ugly. Now, it's easy to worship God when things are going well, right? Man, it's easy to sing. When you come to church and everything is good, it's easy to sing. You know, even this week, as I was reflecting on my family being out in South Dakota, it was a challenge for me not to be there now. Now, I know God's got my friend in her hands, and and she's, you know, she's trusting him through this process, but she's also come to this place. She's in her, you know, she's later in life, and she's realized, listen, God has given me a good life, and I I will take whatever God has left for me. She's not doing anything aggressive to treat it. She's just letting God take control. 20 years ago, she had breast cancer, and uh, she saw God miraculously heal her through that. Um, and God's given her 20 more years. And so she's, she continues to trust Him. But internally, there was this struggle going on inside of me, saying, man, I need to be there right now. And, and I know I have a trip scheduled, but this week as my family was heading out there, I had this internal thing going on saying, it is so hard not to be present. I'm very, you know me, I'm a very relational person. And this person, um, her name's Ruth, I consider her to be a spiritual mom to me. Um, she really, um, our first senior pastor in South Dakota, um, she was there to really encourage and, and, uh, and speak life into so many things. Uh, she spoke, I guarantee you, um, I made lots of mistakes. Uh, during that first segment of our ministry and yet she just spoke so positively along the way and so um, I have a great deal of respect for her and we've been part of her kids events throughout the years and she's she came her and her husband came to uh, my daughter's wedding um, back here and so we have this connection and we so value it Um, but it was hard for me not to be present and also this understanding that you know I mean, there is that possibility she won't be there when I get there. So we never know. But none of us know about tomorrow. So when I come to church, and it's like, okay, God, you've called me to worship. I need to worship. And God has been taking me through this process, preparing me to worship in the midst of trial, in the midst of of difficult times. We all need to learn to worship. The second key to the kingdom was what to seek him so it's important for us to be worshipers but next we have to be actively seeking god in every moment (laughs) um i pray all week long about the message for today and and many times i don't finalize what i'm going to preach until saturday normally saturday morning early afternoon Normally when I sit down to type, everything just flows. Well, it wasn't coming. So Saturday morning, I'm sitting there and, and I pull out my computer several times. I read a bunch of stuff. I pray. Nothing. I had several ideas leading up to it. I thought, God, I, just, I know you've got something there. I'm just waiting to hear from you. So... 8 o'clock last night, I laid down to go to bed, which is unusual for me, but um, my wife's gone, so I thought I might as well go to bed. Um, and 
I'm there laying there about an hour, hour and a half, not sleeping, which is not uncommon for me. And all of a sudden, the Lord began to pour into my spirit. And I had brought my laptop into my bedroom area. And so I thought, you know, if God speaks to me, I want to be ready. And, and literally, I got up and, and everything just began to pour into my spirit. It just flowed together for what God had. But see, seeking God is, is this active process that we are daily involved in. And we don't always understand when God is going to reveal to us that which we need to make it through that next step. But our responsibility is to seek. The rest is up to Him. So we have to seek Him. And the third one was what? Living for Him. Thank you. See, you guys are doing so good. I didn't have to give you guys any help along the way. Is living for Him. And that is what we do when we leave church. You know? It's easy to live for God at church because, man, we could put on a good show and we're surrounded by a group of believers and we can, we can really live for God well here. But when we get out there in our homes or at our jobs, out, on the, out where the, you know, the rubber meets the road, the nitty-gritty, that's when it requires determination. That w- that's where living for God will have a, a, a literal, physical manifestation in your life. And so, um, that's where we take everything that we've learned and apply it. Living for God is application. And, and that actually was two weeks ago. Last week, I, I had a bunch, I, remember I had a cold last Sunday, and so you guys helped me preach, Right? And we were talking about removing what? Loneliness. Aloneness was the word, but loneliness was the thought process. Removing aloneness. And I had you guys get into groups. You guys did so well. You helped me preach well last week. It was a great message. And you talk, we talked about how aloneness is all around us. And that we need to um, visually have this awareness of the the reality that we're alone we have people around us that are struggling with aloneness struggling with um, not being present with someone else and i shared with you out of genesis uh, i think it's 218 um, scripture says that it was not good for man to be alone so god gave man a helper right that that came out of god's recognition that we, it was not good for us. He saw what was going on. He said, listen, man needs a helper. So he created woman. Someone suitable for him. Now, I recognize also that sometimes we have situations where we're not married and we need someone to be there to encourage us. And so God brings people into our path that can help supply that source of love and encouragement and support. So our goal, our, you were given homework assignments this week, right? To look for individuals who were struggling in this, this process of aloneness and try to remove that. How many of you noticed anyone this week alone? A few of you. Thank you. How many of you tried to remove their aloneness? 
Thank you, KK. You get an A. We understand that when we fall short of these things, when we fail in these areas, we fall short of fulfilling the things that God has for us. So when we look at our first blank in there, did you... Did God move on you to remove alone this week? You have to be able to answer that question for yourself. I cannot do it for you. If you chose not to look, or maybe you noticed but you didn't actually involve yourself in removing aloneness for someone, you have to take ownership of that. We have become accustomed to living our lives with an internal focus that finds satisfaction within. And it takes determination and focus for us to live differently. If you want to live differently, it takes something internal going on that causes us to reach from inside to out. Hebrews 12.2 tells us that for the joy that was set before Him, that Christ endured the cross, that that Jesus Christ found something internal that enabled Him to live in the midst of great trial and difficulty. Jesus was motivated to pursue the cross because of what He saw before Him, not because of what was going on inside of him his focus was not on himself focusing on ourselves does not help us to endure hardship focusing on ourselves does not help us to endure hardship focusing on ourselves allows hardship to control us When we are having a difficult time and all of our focus is right here, we typically will wallow in it. We typically will become those individuals who begin to um, enter into a process maybe of depression or of, of great sadness or loneliness, whatever it may be for you, but that hardship, that control begins to take over because you're focusing on the hardship. You're focusing on how it's affecting your life. And our example for living this life is to be Jesus. And He said for the joy that was set before Him, He endured the cross. Now you look at the life of Jesus, all the things that He experienced leading up to the crucifixion, and you find that Jesus endured great hardship. But that did not prevent Him from moving forward in the things that He knew that God had called Him to do. God the Father had a purpose for Him, and His focus was not on Himself. So building off of last week, the thought of removing aloneness, today I would like to awaken us to the hurting. Awaken us to the hurting. We live in a broken world. We live in a world where people are hurting and don't know where to turn. Suicide is continuing to rise in our society in increasing numbers. One article that I read this morning was that 
in the ages of kids from ages 10 to 14, in the last several years, the suicide rate has tripled. Ages 10 to 14. Now, church, what are we going to do with a recognition of the challenges that our children are facing, that our society is facing? In the last couple of weeks, I've talked with individuals who are struggling with this thought process of ending their life. Because the hardships going on all around them are overwhelming them. And they are alone. They are struggling because they don't know what to do to get beyond their current situation we must recognize that god has called us to hurting people the other thing that i recognize is that people in the midst of these things they get up caught up in these cycles of destruction i'd like to read you a lengthy passage of scripture today And it's going to set the stage for us to understand some of the cycles that people get into. And I I believe you will begin to understand some of these things and some of the damaging uh, effects that these can have on our life. But also, I want you to learn, I want you to look for the responsibility that God places upon us to live differently. John chapter 4, we'll have it up on the screen for you. You can turn to it in your Bibles or on your smart device if you would like. We're going to pick up at verse number 1. Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. Though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with the Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, if, only, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said. And this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring from within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water 
Then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband, for you have had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship while we Samaritans claim it is here on Mount Gerizim, where our ancestors worshipped? Jesus replied, Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about Him. For salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now. When true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship Him that way. For God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When He comes, He will explain everything to us. Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Just then, His disciples came back. They were shocked to find Him talking to a woman. But none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her? Or why are you talking to her? The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village, telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus replied, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. Did someone bring him food while we were gone? The disciples asked each other. Then Jesus explained, My nourishment comes from doing the will of God, who sent me and from finishing his work. You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest. But I say, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word. We know that in it contains the wisdom that is necessary to navigate this life. Open our eyes to see and our ears to hear what Your Spirit is saying. We ask for this in Your name. Amen. It is easy to be consumed with the affairs of the world. We get caught up in doing and being. We get caught up in trying to accomplish so much and to make a name for ourselves. We are so busy doing that we miss what is really important going on all around us. The disciples were caught up in keeping such a close eye on Jesus that they were missing some of the lessons that He was trying to teach them. That, he was, that they missed some of the lessons that were visibly available to them. Jesus was interacting with this Samaritan woman. There were so many reasons in this culture why this was wrong. Man comes up with a lot of stupid rules that attempt to dictate why we should or shouldn't do certain things. We talked about that in 
Sunday school a little bit and how the church has, you know, been for years come up with some stupid rules about, you know, how, you know, you shouldn't have that much fun in church. Do you realize that was an unwritten rule from years ago? That um, church was supposed to be a solemn assembly, uh, a time that we come very respectfully. And, and I'm not saying we'd come into the house of God with any level of disrespect, but I have learned to have fun in the house of God. I've learned to have fun with my relationship with God. And when you read the Scriptures, it is easy to understand that God expects us to enjoy life, to laugh. Um, worship experiencing experienced through a a new testament presentation of of what god has presented to us really is a fun experience and yet the church years ago had dictated a process of how it should be a quiet there was no clapping there was not a lot of extra singing you just showed up you did your due diligence by showing up to church And now we are understanding that it is about a relationship. That God wants us to come here because we are in relationship with Him. And what happens during a worship service or during the sermon or during the fellowship pre- or post-service is because of our relationship with God. And when our relationship with God is healthy, our experience is multiplied. If our, if our relationship with God is not where it needs to be, we don't have the level of experience in the body of Christ that He has provided for us. It is the same thing in that application of the keys to the kingdom of God. If our relationship with God is not where it was intended to be, it is impossible for us to avail ourselves of all the resources that God has provided for us to live with Because we're not living where God wants us to. Even what Joe was sharing about with facing the giant, David didn't see this giant. He just saw an obstacle. And and when he confronted him, he said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? He didn't talk about the giant. He said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that would say anything against my God? And he went out there and he took him on. And yet the the armies of Israel had been in this place of fear for three days. Because they were focused on all the things inside of them. Church, we need to live with an awareness of what a relationship with God is to entail. And Jesus was modeling for the disciples what it was going to require for them to fulfill the mission that God had sent him to earth to to show them. His desire was for them to understand what loving God and loving people was all about. The only rule that mattered to Jesus was loving God with his entire being, his, his heart, mind, soul, body, strength, everything about him, loving God and loving his neighbor as himself. If we truly want to model the great commission and the great commandments of Christ going into all the world and making disciples 
and loving them in the way that God has called us to, we must be willing to get outside of ourselves. We must recognize those that are lonely, those that are alone. We must look for the hurting. And Jesus came to this well. He found a woman who was drawing water. Now, Jesus was not supposed to interact with her. Jesus was a Jew. He did not question that. The woman was a Samaritan. He did not question that. Society had created rules that they weren't supposed to interact with each other. And yet Jesus asked her for water to give him a drink. And it caught her off guard. And Jesus then leads into this whole process of saying, when she says, you know, why are you asking me for a drink of water? And he said, well, if you knew who I was, you'd ask me for one. (laughs) And she's caught up in the physicality of the fact that he didn't have a bucket or a rope. (laughs) And Jesus said, no, if you ask for me, I'd give you living water and you never thirst again. And something about what he said drew her in. And she said, please, give me of your water and I'll never have to come here again. She was caught up in the physical realm and she, she wasn't recognizing that God, that Jesus was talking about something so much bigger than, than some H2O. That he was talking about the literal presence of of God being poured into her life, transforming her, renewing her. And Scripture says that it would bubble up inside of her, that there, there would be this, this, some, this process happening inside of her that would cause her to live differently. Is something bubbling inside of you? <laughs> if it's not, we need to go back to the well. Because Jesus said that the living water that He had available to us would cause something to bubble from within us. Have you ever, how many of you have ever had a tummy gurgle? You know, make noise. Um, whether you drank too much or you were hungry or something, you, you had this internal mechanism going on that was alerting everyone around you <laughs> It was so loud that everybody else could hear it. I believe that what God is doing inside of us and wants to do inside of us should have a physical manifestation outside of us that others around us recognize that something is different in us. And this woman wanted it from Jesus. And Jesus pointed out to her that the Father is looking for people who will worship Him in spirit and in truth, not show and tell. The woman was caught up in the physical things. Jesus is saying, listen, the time is coming as she was getting into this. You know, it was an interesting transition. Why, do you, why did Jews talk about worshiping there? And we believe worshiping here. And, and again, Jesus transfers the, the conversation from the present location to the spiritual practice which is what this is supposed to be about that God is looking for men and women who know how to worship in spirit and in truth 
That's what's important. Do you know how to worship God in spirit and in truth? This is not about how high you jump or how fast you run. It is about when a service is done, how straight do you walk when you leave here? Because if, if you have this, this dynamic experience in the house of God, and yet when you leave here, your walk with God is no different, or it, it really goes to a place where it's non-existent, then this presence, this experience, is more the show and tell rather than the spirit and truth. God wants us to be men and women who know how to live for Him in such a way that when we leave this place, we leave here different because of the bubbling presence of God inside of us. What is going on inside of you? I'm reminded of another encounter that Jesus had with someone who was hurting as He was walking along and he, he noticed somebody up in the, the top of a tree. Anybody remember his name? Zacchaeus. And, and he says to Zacchaeus, Hey, Zacchaeus, come down here. I'm going to your house today. <laughs> and, and he went there and he had, a, had an encounter with Zacchaeus. And it transformed Zacchaeus to the point that Zacchaeus said, Everybody that I cheated... I'm going to return to them, and not just return to them, I'm going to give them, what, seven times? Sevenfold from what I stole from them. That, that God, that Christ had such an encounter that something happened on the inside of Zacchaeus. <coughs> Excuse me. His love had a change. And as the disciples came back to Jesus, I love the passage in verse 27. It says they were shocked to find him talking to a woman. (laughs) And they were trying to come up with the nerve to say something because they knew it was a Samaritan woman. And Jesus says to them very, very succinctly here, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me. From finishing his work, the disciples were wanting Jesus to eat now that this woman had left, which they were happy with. Nobody said anything about it. But this woman had left, and now they're saying, Jesus, now eat. We've gone gone and got some food for you. (laughs) You need to eat. Not one of them was asking a question about what had just happened in this woman's life because she left her pot and took off running. They missed an opportunity. And Jesus said, listen to me. He said, my nourishment comes from doing the will of the Father who sent me. I'm not here about food and drink. I'm here for the broken, the lost. Church, we can get so busy doing so many things and we miss those people that are hurting all around us. And at some point, we have to choose to get involved in the process of 
looking for those that are hurting. It can't be that we are so consumed with coming to church and reading the Bible and doing all these things that we miss an opportunity to tell somebody about a God that loves them. That Jesus will transform their lives if they give Him an opportunity. I love the reality that when Jesus had this awareness of this woman already, that He didn't start with her sin, He started with her need. Do you see that? He, he said, He had presented to her the reality that He had living water for her to drink before He confronted the fact that she had had five husbands and the person she was living with currently wasn't her husband. He wanted her to know, listen, this is not about judgment. This is about love. And Jesus is saying to His disciples, it's time to wake up and look around you, for the fields are white unto harvest. What is the harvest? The harvest is people that are broken, who have need of a Savior, who have need of living water, who have need of life. And He wants us to quit playing around and get serious about this relationship that we say we have. If the Father is looking for them, if Jesus is looking for them, What are we looking for? The hurting people, the broken people, the seeking people. We can understand from the Samaritan woman's response that she had had an encounter already with understanding that the Samaritans worshipped God there. And there, there was this seeking that had already taken place. She wasn't lost in the conversation. She was caught up in the rituals But God wanted her to understand the important thing was that there was something that was supposed to happen on the inside of her. There was supposed to be a transformation. And when that transformation comes, we begin to react out of that. I want to look at the next couple of verses, 36-42, to as we prepare to close today. It says, The harvesters are paid good wages. And the fruit they harvest is people being brought to eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter and harvester alike. You know the saying, one plants and another harvests, and it's true. I sent you to harvest where you didn't plant. Others have already done the work. And now you will get together the harvest. Get to gather the harvest. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village, so he stayed for two days. Long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. Then they said to the woman, now we believe not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the Savior of the world. Because of the willingness of Jesus to cross a boundary that man had set to present the the gospel, the good news, the love of God to a woman 
who was in desperate need, not only was she transformed, but many in her village came to know Him and He spent time with them. For two days, He spent time in a place that any other time He wouldn't have been welcome. But because He didn't come to bring judgment, He came to bring life. Church, it's time that we awaken to the hurting. They are literally all around us. Who are the hurting? It is anybody who doesn't have the assurance of tomorrow. It is anyone who is struggling in the midst of their loss, their brokenness, their trials, their struggles. Who are the hurting? It's those individuals struggling with depression or suicide or loneliness. <coughs> it is individuals who are struggling with the loss of a job, loss of a spouse, loss of a family member. Who are the hurting? It's individuals who have had their life challenged or changed in some aspect because of something that has gone on. And church, it is our responsibility. Jesus rebuked the disciples because they missed the opportunity. He said, wake up and look around you. They're all around you. People who need someone to love them. What are you waiting for? What are you looking for? Let's pray. Father, I thank You that we have the ability to call upon Your name to seek Your face. Today, I am aware there, there are hurting and broken people all around us. I am aware that sometimes they're in our own families. And we miss them at times. I am aware that there are neighbors or employees, people we work with. I'm aware that there are people that we walk by in the parks and the stores. I'm aware that they're all around us. They're white into harvest. There are people that literally are everywhere we go. People that are broken, that are alone, that are hurting, that need a voice of hope. Today, I pray that You would open up our eyes to see. That we would awaken to the hurting all around us. This morning, I'm going to ask you to be vulnerable today. And that is, if you're one of the hurting, if you're someone in the midst of a struggle and you need the support of your brothers and sisters in Christ to stand with you, I'm just going to invite you, wherever you're at, just to stand. I'm not asking you to come to the front here, just to stand up wherever you're at and say, I'm hurting 
I need someone to be with me today. I need someone to acknowledge my pain. Acknowledge my trial. Acknowledge my struggle. Some of you would gather around. You can look around and see. Um, and sometimes we are, are unwilling to be that one that admits it. But if some of you would get up and go over by Retta there. Just, uh, she's uh, over here in our back corner there on your left side. And just be with her here for a moment. Retta's struggling with the loss of a spouse. Um, still, I mean, it has been a journey. It is never easy to lose someone. Is there anyone else? You just need people to stand with you, agree with you in prayer, just to be present for you, with you. Thank you, Joe, for coming up. Hallelujah. Just pray with her. Many of you know Retta and Elaine, both lost husbands here this year, and uh, it's been a difficult journey for them. This is my desire to honor. said look around the fields are wide into harvest I remember when I first went to the eye doctor and they uh, gave me glasses that were actually fit to my eyes after I'd been self diagnosing myself for years and buying reading glasses and realized that and I'd just been overdoing it because I wasn't allowing something to be fit for me. See, the scriptures can open our eyes. They'll fit us for something that is going to give us the ability to see things that we can't see normally. That's what a relationship with God is meant to do. Some of you are struggling, and I know that. Some of you have internal battles that are going on. Just be aware that God knows your struggle, knows your challenge, wants to be present with you. We want to be there with you as well. Father, we lift up Elaine and Retta. We thank you, um, Father, for their presence in your body. We thank you for their willingness to continue to be here. And I pray that you would give them strength in the adjustments that are continuing to come, that you would give them guidance along the way and for the financial challenges that they face, that you would be with them as well. Father, we know that there are so many things that go on when we lose someone like that. And uh, I just pray that you'd be with them. Father, help us to be a people 
sensitive to the, the brokenness around us. We thank you. We ask for this in your name. Amen. We've got our offering prayer be up on the screen for us. Enjoy, invite you to stand with me if you would. Let's pray this together as our ushers come. If it'll come up, our PowerPoint was acting up earlier. This was Chad's solo experience up there and, and everything that could go wrong today decided to happen for him. It's all right, brother. All right, I'm going to pray over it. <laughs> God, thank you. Thank you that we can come before you uh, with a glad heart. Um, that we can bring um, that provision that you have given to us and return a portion of it to your storehouse. And we pray today that you would multiply it and, and bless it to further your kingdom. And we thank you for uh, your faithfulness in all things. And we ask for this in your name. Amen. I want to